centuries, they would uh, add to the law. Uh, and they would, uh, Jesus accused them of, of putting unnecessary burdens on men because of their zeal for people to keep the law. Now, the, uh, they, they paid very close attention to the letter of the law. They were very quick to condemn anyone who did not see things the way that they saw them. Early on in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees understood that Jesus was a threat to their status in the community. You see, when Jesus came on the scene, of course, he, uh, he preached the Word of God, and he, he preached, uh, many times he would quote the Old Testament law, <clears throat> and, uh, and Jesus said some things that were controversial, especially to the Pharisees, uh, and of course, when he uh, made claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Pharisees, they didn't like that at all. Oh, they, that, that really ruffled their feathers quite a bit. And, uh, <clears throat> but they didn't understand, and they, uh, they, had, they had a problem with Christ. They could not argue with the miracles that he did, but they really had a problem with his doctrine. Now, we read about Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and we know that Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews, and he came to see Jesus at night because he was a little bit embarrassed, perhaps, because of his affiliation with the Pharisees. And he said to Jesus, he said, Look, I know <clears throat> that you're not just like everybody else. You have to be sent from God because I see what you do. I see the miracles that you have performed, and I, I hear what you say, and Jesus, there's something different about you, and I just want you to know, Jesus, uh, I believe you. And, and we understand that it was that whole conversation with Nicodemus where Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. What he said to Nicodemus was, your, your good works won't do, Nicodemus. I know you're a Pharisee, and I know you're all about keeping the law, and I know you're all about dotting every theological I and crossing every theological T, but Nicodemus, let me tell you something, sir. You won't get to heaven unless you are born again. And like the nation of Israel <clears throat> as a whole, the Pharisees did not buy in to the notion that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. To this day, the Jews as a whole reject the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, who came into the world to save man. And in the, in the latter part of Matthew chapter 22, the Bible tells us that several of the Pharisees had gathered together, and as they were assembled, the Bible says Jesus took the opportunity to question them. And the Bible tells us that later on, this was the last time that the Pharisees asked Jesus anything because what Jesus asked the Pharisees really <clears throat> set them on their heels. He said, as they had gathered together, he said, What think ye of Christ? He asked them a very pointed question that they couldn't ignore. They couldn't weasel out of it. They couldn't just turn a deaf ear to it. Jesus got the Pharisees together that day and he said... What think ye of Christ? In other words, what do you think about me, fellas? He said, be honest with me, you Pharisees. Uh, what do you think? Who do you think I am, anyway? What think ye of Christ? He said, whose son is he? And, of course, that made everybody in the room immediately very uncomfortable. Uh, have you ever been in a situation like that? When you're in, in a group of people having a conversation where there's several folks present and somebody brings up a subject and it's one of those elephant in the room things that nobody wants to talk about. It's a, a lot of times that happens over the holidays. 
and uh, holidays are coming up here in, uh, in in three months or so, three or four months. And uh, and sometimes you'll get together with uh, with family and friends. Perhaps you'll travel long distances to be with them, or they'll travel long distances to be with you. And there may be something just kind of that's kind of boiling under the surface of the family. And perhaps it's been that way for many years. And it's one of those taboo subjects that nobody wants to talk about. And as soon as somebody breaches that subject, everybody says, <gasps> nobody wants to go there. And by your reaction, I can tell many of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, that's kind of the way it was when Jesus had all these Pharisees in the room with him. And he said, hey, fellas, what think ye of Christ? What do you really think about me? Whose son is Christ? Now, those questions make a lot of folks uncomfortable even today. When people start talking about Jesus Christ, it makes a lot of people nervous in our society. You see, a lot of folks don't mind you talking about God. It's interesting, you, you, you can uh, see interviews with professional athletes, and as long as they're talking about God, or they're talking about a higher power, or they're talking about faith in, in a general term, uh, a, a lot of times the news media or whoever's doing the interview will let them get away with that. But it's amazing how you can name the name of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden people get really uncomfortable. People get real antsy. Uh, folks don't mind uh, really being vague about their religion, but when you talk about Jesus being the only begotten Son of God, when you talk about Jesus being the only way to heaven, when you talk about Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, when you talk about Jesus as being the only begotten of the Father, all of a sudden, people don't want to go there. They don't want to go there. You know why? Because <clears throat> it's called conviction. That gets, that gets sinners where the hair is short right there. They don't want to talk about that. All of a sudden, people say things like, oh, we don't want to talk about religion. <laughs> May I say, Jesus is not religion. You don't go to heaven by religion, friend. You go to heaven by Christ. Jesus didn't say religion is the way to heaven. He said, I am the way of heaven. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, and the wrath of God abideth on him, the Bible says. What think ye of Christ? That's the message this morning, and it's a very simple message to all of us. What think ye of Christ? No matter what you are or who you are, no matter what your spiritual condition may be this morning, the question applies to all of us. And if I may reword the question, not only what think ye of Christ, but let me, let me paraphrase it or reword it if I may. What does Jesus mean to you? What does Jesus Christ mean to you? Your answer to that question determines your destiny. Your answer to that question determines your eternal destiny. For some, Jesus is just a wonderful character in history. For some, Jesus was just a great philosopher. For some, Jesus was just a wonderful teacher. For some, Jesus was just a controversial religious leader of 2,000 years ago. And that's what some people, that's, you know, you can interview, and by the way, let me say this, our society is becoming more and more ignorant of that book. The further we go into time, the more ignorant our society as a whole becomes of the Word of God. And by the way, that's by design. Not God's design. <clears throat> but the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded people to the truth of the Word of God. And there are, there are some things that we just take for granted that, well, everybody knows that. But not everybody knows that. 
You know, we, we, we talk about Jesus and we sing songs like, let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is He, the Lord of Lords Supreme throughout eternity, the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. We sing that and it's meaningful to us, but bear in mind to the average Joe on the street in 2018 in the United States of America, that's foreign to them. They need to know who Jesus is. They need to know that Jesus Christ is not just a, he was not just a good teacher. He was not just a good man, but he was the God man. He wasn't just a philosopher. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a, a, a controversial religious leader of uh, 2000 plus years ago. No, sir. He was the begotten, the only begotten son of God the Father. <clears throat> For some, <clears throat> by the way, if all you think of Christ is that he was a philosopher or a teacher or a wonderful character in history or a controversial religious leader, if that's all you think of Christ, your destiny is separation from God in a lake of fire. Brother Gomez <clears throat> preached about hell yesterday during our youth rally. And I, I mentioned, you know, hell is one of those subjects, it's a very difficult subject to preach about. It's very difficult. But you understand, we have to warn people about the coming judgment for those who don't know who Jesus is. And by the way, you say, preacher, will I go to hell if I'm an alcoholic? Will I go to hell if I'm a homosexual? Will I go to hell if I'm a drug addict? Will I go to hell if I'm this or I do this or I do that? Preacher, what sin sends you to hell? I'll tell you the sin that sends you to hell. It's the sin of rejecting who Jesus is. You can be wrong on a lot of things and go to heaven, but you got to be right on one thing. Who's Jesus? What think ye of Christ? What does Jesus mean to you? For some, Jesus is a byword. I hear, boy, it really bothers me when I'm in, I hear folks uh, swearing and taking God's name in vain and using the name Jesus Christ as some kind of a byword. So, look, hey, and by the way, uh, you, ought to, you ought to get a better vocabulary than that. The Bible says his name is precious. <laughs> there is no other name given among heaven whereby we must be saved. Hey, that makes that name pretty special. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's who Jesus is. He's not just a byword. For some, he is some, someone who's mentioned as part of a theological discussion. For those in seminaries all across the country, Jesus is nothing more than the subject of some kind of debate in a, in a class somewhere. He's more than that. For some, he is one of many characters in the Bible. For false religions, he was one of he, uh, those who are, are cults or, or who would uh, spread heresy or false doctrine. Jesus, to them, was one of God's highest created beings. No, sir, he is not a created being. He is, he is co-equal with the Father. He is the he's the ever eternal one. He's the pre-existent one. Hey, he's the one who stepped out on nothing. And in Colossians 1, the Bible tells us, by him all things consist. He's the preeminent one. That's who he is. For false religions, he was chief among the angels. For some false religions, he is simply one of several deities. For false religions, he is one of many of God's uh, sons. Uh, but no, sir, he's not that. He is the only begotten son of God. Full of grace and truth, the Bible says. This morning, I asked a simple question that Jesus posed to the Pharisees 2,000 years ago. What think ye of Christ? What does Jesus mean to you? I want you to see, first of all, it's a personal question. Very simple message this morning. It's a personal question. 
You see, it's a question that every single man and woman must answer for himself or herself, and nobody but nobody can answer it on your behalf. You see, if you're going to go to heaven one day, you've got to, you've got to make that question that Jesus posed to the Pharisees a personal question. What think ye of Christ? Who is Jesus to you? What does Jesus mean to you? Your daddy can't answer it for you. Your mother cannot answer it for you. Your children cannot answer it for you. Your grandparents cannot answer it for you. Your pastor cannot answer it for you. Your uh, your heritage cannot answer it for you. Hey, you've got to answer it for yourself. The Pharisees tried to sidestep the question. The agnostic and atheist tries to mock the question. The skeptic is amused by the question. The humanist is annoyed by the question. But that doesn't change the fact that you and I and everybody else must correctly answer the question for ourselves what think ye of Christ what does Jesus mean to you what does he mean to you your spouse cannot answer that question for you your children cannot answer that question for you your fellow church members cannot answer that question on your behalf hey you must have the answer Yesterday, a young man was having some doubts about his salvation, and we were uh, in the line for the lunch break and, and uh, getting ready to go in to have a bite to eat, and his, his youth pastor came to me and said, Pastor, would it be okay if you spoke to this young man? He's really struggling this morning. Uh, he struggled in the service, and, and God was dealing with his heart about his salvation, and he's still having some issues with, with assurance and understanding and grasping it all, and, and uh, he sees the, the importance of it and the magnitude of it, but he just needs some help, somebody to talk to him. And I said, I'll be glad to. And so we went into uh, one of the school classrooms over there, and we sat down. And I spoke to him and I said, son, I said, salvation is as simple as answering two questions in your life. It's really that simple. You see, there's two questions that you've got to answer if you're going to have, if you're going to have assurance of your salvation. First of all, you've got to answer the sin question. The sin question. Uh, your sin must be paid for. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The soul that sinneth it shall surely die. There's none righteous, no, not one. And you can give many, many other verses. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse after verse after verse, God tells us that we are under the condemnation of our sin, and the sin question must be answered. And then I said to that young man, I said, not only the sin question, I said, but really the simplicity of salvation is once you establish that you're a sinner before God and undeserving of heaven, undeserving of eternal life, the next question you have to answer is the son question. Not the S-U-N, the S-O-N. The son question. You see, Jesus Christ was the virgin-born, sinless son of God that came from heaven to live 33 years of, of sinless perfection on this earth, to go to a cross, to die on a tree, to, to give himself a ransom for the entire world. And I said, son, really, it, it, it's really that simple. It's like a gift. God wants to give you eternal life. God makes this gift available to everybody who's ever lived on planet earth, but there'll be people who'll die and they'll go to hell and they'll spend eternity in a, in a godless, dark lake of fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And I'll tell you why. Because the gift is there. It's available. It's been paid for. It's been bought. It's been purchased. But you've got to receive it if it's going to be yours. You can stare at a gift all day. Somebody can make you the, one, the most wonderful offer in the entire world. And by the way, salvation is the best offer ever given to man. 
But that offer stands to all men. But if you look at it and say, yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross. And yes, I believe he did all that. But you know what? I don't want to receive that for me. I want to work my way to heaven. You're that, you're, you're that close to going to heaven, but you'll miss it and go to hell. You can have a head knowledge of all the theology you want to have, my friend. You can know that book from cover to cover. You can quote many passages. You can talk about the Old Testament law like the Pharisees were very capable of doing. You can you can uh, memorize its verses. You can uh, uh, read its pages. You can read it forwards and backwards. You can read it in any language you want to read it. But let, let me tell you something. Until you look at that gift that God offers to you of eternal life and say, Hey, I received that, Jesus. Would you apply that, what you did on Calvary, what you did in your death and burial and resurrection? resurrection would you apply that to me i want to be saved it's not complicated there'll be more people go to hell because they try to make salvation too complex than those who make it simple the thief on the cross what did he say lord remember me remember me he didn't take theology 101 he was dying he was on his way to eternity. He was breathing his last breath. And he looked over to Jesus who was hanging on the cross. And it dawned on him, he's paying right now for my sins. And he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's it. You say, preacher, that wasn't a fancy prayer. Fancy prayers don't save you. Fancy prayers don't save you. The faith, the Bible says we're justified by faith. It's not some, it's not some group of words that you have to say just right. And that young man I spoke to yesterday, uh, it finally, the light came on. I said, Hey, if you have doubts after trusting Christ, your doubts are not in, in God. Your doubts are in you. God sees your faith. God sees your heart. You come to Jesus by faith and say, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of heaven. I'm not worthy of the least of your goodness. In fact, I'm, I'm deserving of hell. If anyone's deserving of hell, it's me, God. It's me. But Jesus, I believe you died for me and you paid for my sins and you rose again after three days so that I could go to heaven. And Jesus, I receive you. It's, look, it's salvation is that simple. It's that simple. But you've got to answer. You've got to answer the son question. There must be an admission of sinful condition. There must be an admission of Jesus, the Son of God, being our only hope of eternal life. Hey, it's a personal question. Have you answered that question this morning? What think ye of Christ? I don't care if you've been coming to church ever since the doors of Lake Crest Baptist Church opened almost 55 years ago. You've got to do something with the question, what think ye of Christ? You can have your church, your name on every church roll in Oakland County, Michigan. You can have, hey, you can be baptized in this pool or any other pool for that matter, but it won't do. Hey, salvation is not by baptism. Salvation is by Christ. What well, think you of Christ? It's a point. It's a personal question, number one, but also notice it's a practical question. It's a practical question for the sinner and it's a practical Christian. Don't miss this for the saint. You say, preacher, this doesn't apply to me so, so far because I'm saved. May I ask you a question if you're saved this morning? What think ye of Christ? What does Jesus mean to you? Hey, it's wonderful that Jesus saved your soul. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, hey, in a few minutes we'll have an invitation and we invite you to come and receive Jesus. The greatest gift in all the world is Jesus Christ. And you need to receive Him for yourself. Well, wait a minute, it's not only a personal question, it's a very practical question. It's practical for the sinner, and it's practical for those of us who are saved. 
You say, preacher, what are you talking about? Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. Peter got it right when he said, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, uh, or he, he was talking to all the disciples, as a matter of fact. Jesus said, hey, fellas, uh, who am I? Who do people say that I am? And some of the disciples said, well, Lord, some of you say this, and some of you, some of them say you're that, some of them say you're, uh, uh, you know, you're John or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, wait a minute, who do you say that I am? He was talking to those that he had already called to follow him. He was talking to the 12 chosen men. He was talking to Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and Thomas and Andrew and, uh, and Simon the Canaanite. And uh, he was talking to all those fellows. He said, okay, it's one thing for the world not to know who I am, but he looked at the 12 people who were closest to him in his earthly life, and he said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter got it right. He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Mary got it right in John chapter 11 when Jesus went to raise Lazarus from the dead. You know the story. Uh, Lazarus had been dead for four days by the time Jesus finally got there, and Jesus knew what was about to happen, and boy, he couldn't wait to see it happen. And uh, they had called Jesus when Lazarus was sick, and Jesus chose not to go to meet Lazarus when he was sick, and Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to die. And in John chapter 11, uh, they, Jesus got to the scene where Lazarus had already been buried by this time, and Mary and Martha are weeping, and they're crying, and and they're, they're, they're in a, a, uh, an incredible grief and desperation of heart. <clears throat> and Mary got it right when Jesus came to see Lazarus. And they had a little conversation. And Mary said to him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Mary got it right. She knew who Jesus was. Hey, Thomas got it right. Finally, after he showed up with the other disciples after the resurrection in John chapter 20 and verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Now wait a minute. <clears throat> the, the 12 disciples, when asked by Jesus, Hey, who am I, fellas? They got it right. Uh, Mary, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends on this earth during his ministry, she got it right. Thomas, one of the twelve, after he had doubted and not been where he should have been the night of the resurrection, he finally showed up with the rest of the disciples, and uh, and he said, Jesus, you're my Lord and my God. Hey, it's great that Peter got it right, and it's great that Mary got it right. It's great that Thomas got it right. It's great that the, the woman at the well got it right. It's great that Zacchaeus got it right. It's, gra it's great that one of the thieves on the cross got it right, and that's all fine and good, but the only thing that will matter for your eternity is for you to know who Jesus is. You say, preacher, all those people got saved. That's right, they did. As a Christian, what think you of Christ? What does Jesus mean to you now that you're saved? That's the question I want you to ask yourself this morning. Is he just your Savior? Now, that's wonderful. Don't misunderstand me. The fact that Jesus came to save a sinner like me, are you kidding? That's, that's, the, that's the best thing that's ever happened to Kevin Dale, I promise you that. But wait a minute. Jesus wants to be more than just your fire escape from hell. Jesus wants to be more to you, child of God, than just your way of salvation. It's wonderful, it's great, but wait a minute. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your Lord. Your Lord. Hey, the word Lord means boss. It means master. It means the one who calls the shots in your life. Hey, <clears throat> we don't preach what some people call lordship salvation, which is nothing more than trying to work your way to heaven. 
That's what that is. Some people say, well, you know, yeah, you got to be saved, but if you're really going to be saved, Jesus has to be Lord of everything that you do before you... The Bible doesn't teach that. We all struggle with a sinful nature, and we will until the day we die. But the desire of every child of God in this room ought to have Jesus sitting on the throne of your life, making the shots, calling the shots, if you will, for your life. That's what Jesus ought to be. He ought, yes, He should be your Savior, but once you're saved, hey, uh, Christian, that's wonderful. Why don't we grow in grace to the point where we surrender areas of our life, every area of our life, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? That's what we ought to do. Not in an effort to be saved, but because we're saved. Because I'm saved, I ought to want Jesus to reign supreme in my life. Because I'm saved, I ought to want Jesus to occupy the throne. I want Him to say what needs to happen in my life. I want to submit my stubborn will to Him every single day. What think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ? Is He your Savior? Wonderful. Is that all? Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you talked to Him today? Have you talked to Him today? Not only should Jesus be becoming the Lord of every, every area of our lives, but you know, Jesus ought to be our friend. The songwriter said, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Now, there are people in your life that you would consider friends. I think, I think everybody. How many of you, you, you have somebody, that, at least one person, that you would consider your friend? Now, look around. If there's somebody who doesn't have a hand, I want you to feel real sorry for them right now. Every now and then, <clears throat> whenever I call my father-in-law, He'll be here, Lord willing, this uh, coming week. Whenever I call him, talk to him, he always has this thing that, that we kind of banter back and forth, and I'll say, I'll say, what are you doing? He'll say, I'm just sitting here with all my friends. And I'll say something to the effect of, that's a pretty empty room right now, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he'll say, I'm sitting here with all my friends. You know what? It's a wonderful thing to have friends, is it not? Sure it is. You know Jesus ought to be your friend? Jesus ought to be your best friend. What kind of relationship would you have with someone that, somebody that you would consider a friend if you never, ever said a word to them? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, that's the characteristic of my friend that I like the most. They don't talk. Uh, <clears throat> no, if you have someone that you would consider a friend, I would assume at some point you have some kind of a conversation with them. And the closer the friend is it stands to reason that you have even more conversation with them. You know, Jesus wants to be your friend. And many of you would say, yeah, I would consider Jesus my friend, but when was the last time you talked to him? When was the last time you had a conversation with him? When was the last time you went to the throne of grace and you just poured your heart out and said, I just want to spend some time here at the throne of grace. Hey, what a friend we have in Jesus. Can we sing that honestly? What does Jesus mean to you? You know, the truth is, we do have a wonderful friend in Jesus, but the question this morning is, does Jesus have a friend in us? Does Jesus have a friend 
in me? Does Jesus have a friend in you? Hey, why would we be ashamed of our friend? When you go to work tomorrow, does Jesus have a friend in you? Pointed question, isn't it? What think you of Christ? Hey, when you go out in public and, and, and the world looks at you by based on your appearance and based on your behavior and based on how you carry yourself, are you, would you, would Jesus consider you a friend of his? What think ye of Christ? You see, Jesus gave his life for me. The question this morning is, am I willing to spend my life for him? Very simple message. What think ye of Christ? Jesus gave everything for me. You know, the Bible said, or Jesus himself said, greater love hath no man than this. And you could finish the statement. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for me. He laid down his life for you. He said, there is no greater love than that that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, wait a minute. We're going somewhere. If Jesus, our friend, would lay down his life for us, why would I not be willing to do something for him? You see, the whole essence of the Christian life is Jesus. It's not about doing this or doing that or doing this or appearance. And I told the young people yesterday, I said, you know, there has to come a point in all of our Christian lives when when we begin to do things not just for outward appearance. Christianity is not just an outward show. It's not just a performance. It's not just a, look at me, I carry my Bible to church every Sunday. The Lord is in His holy temple. Amen. No, there's more to it. Now, don't misunderstand me. <clears throat> outward appearance is important. But if that's the sum total of all of our Christianity, we're missing something. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying Jesus should be more than just your Savior. Jesus ought to be your Lord. He ought to be your friend. You ought to have conversations with Him. You ought to walk hand in hand with Him. Hey, you ought to be that friend that sticketh closer to it than a brother. But sometimes Jesus is our, Jesus is our, He's our friend all the time and He proved it because He laid down His life for us. What is it that I would not be willing to do for Him? What think you of Christ? What think ye of Christ? Jesus prayed in the garden, Not my will, but thine be done. Am I willing to surrender my stubborn will to the one who gave his life for me? Am I willing to lay down what I want in deference to what he wants for me? And by the way, whatever God wants for you is better than anything that you can want for yourself. I promise you that. I ask a simple question this morning. What think ye of Christ? Or, what does Jesus mean to you? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, then in order for you to be saved, Jesus is going to have to mean more than just a good man. If you're going to go to heaven, Jesus is going to have to be more than just a philosopher who said good things. He's going to have to be more than just a teacher, more than just a religious figure, more than just a character in history. He's going to have to become your personal Savior. It's Jesus Christ or it's eternity in hell. It's Jesus Christ, or it's lost forever without hope. It's Jesus Christ, or it's the flames of eternal damnation. That's what Jesus has to mean to all of us if you're going to go to heaven. For those of you who are saved, what does Jesus mean to you? Is He your Lord? Is He your friend? 
Boy, he, should, he, he, he wants to be. He has proven his end of the friendship by laying down his life for us. Would he consider us his friend? Are we a friend to Jesus? Very pointed, personal question. What think you of Christ? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.